It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. A Big Six team is saying goodbye to its favorite son. The defending champions suddenly have forgotten how to score goals. And the Hands Off Those Balls fantasy team sets a new standard for futility. Welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined, as always, by Jared. Jared, how are you doing this week? I am doing okay, Mike. We're about uh, halfway through the winter, so looking forward. We're on the home stretch. Well, don't jinx anything with, uh, yeah. like, I, every time I hear somebody say, oh, I don't think we're going to get any more snow this week. I'm like, shut up. I didn't up. say that. I just said we were halfway through, so. <laughs> I will, will certainly enjoy the fact that it's getting light, or rather staying light later. That's a big plus. Uh, the last yeah. few days, it's, it's actually been noticeable to me. Uh, that it's not pitch black at, you know, five. So a welcome change. Uh, so the big six team that's saying goodbye to a favorite son just happened today, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Frank Lampard, former manager of Chelsea Football Club, has been sacked. If I use the British terminology. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a surprise. It's maybe one could if I were a Chelsea fan maybe I would find it well deserved uh as an outsider looking in I think it's a little rash yeah it seems a little rash to me he's only been manager for 18 months yeah you know he had a full season last year and a half a season this year um you know and let's it's funny we had this conversation weeks ago about uh Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a former Manchester United player who's now the Manchester United manager who you know in November they had a little stretch there where they couldn't win any games and we were thinking out loud about whether or not Solskjaer was in any trouble and oh by the way they're now at the top of the table so so what you're saying is we didn't uh, roast Lampard in time right (laughs) we could have saved him (laughs) um you know so at that time we were talking about this idea that hey even if you're beloved by um, uh, by the fans of your team because of your former play as Solskjaer is that doesn't mean that you're immune from poor managing and clearly that's uh, come to fore with uh, Lampard here Uh, I mean this is a guy who is the Chelsea all-time leader in goals 
So, you know, when you say he's a, a, a beloved former player, they don't get much more beloved than him. Um, you know, he, he comes in last year. He managed the full 2019-2020 season with everything that comes with that. You know, we all remember the shutdown and then Operation Restart. Um, you know, let's remember these guys, these managers have a lot of responsibilities, um, many of which have to do with logistics. Uh, I think it's an overlooked aspect of whether it's head coaches, managers in baseball, managers in, in um, European football. Uh, it's not just the X's and the O's. They, they got to plan travel. And I'm not saying it's entirely on their shoulders to like book transportation but but it's a lot more than just the single game effort. it is and yeah. and some of that stuff can can really make a difference on a player's ability to perform at a given time if it's all you know on the logistics side if all that travel is rushed and at the last minute and oh you know here's your itinerary it's like well you're giving me this itinerary half of it has already happened that's not helpful uh, the manager can control that either through delegating to the right people or doing some of it themselves whatever um so imagine trying to do all that during the shutdown slash project restart. Uh, that, that, those are some serious glass balls to keep in the air. So he was able to manage that and come out of it with a top four finish uh, in a Champions League berth in a year that, take the COVID piece out of it, 2019-2020 was supposed to be kind of a rebuilding year for Chelsea. Yeah. And they finished in the top four. So come out of that into this year Chelsea spends a king's ransom on all of these this high priced talent uh, Timo Werner Kai Havertz um, poor Edward Mendy yeah <laughs> I feel so bad um, and uh, Thiago Silva they, they bring in all these guys with, with big price tags and naturally the expectations are going to be high. You've spent all this money. You've got all this talent on the team. You know, we've said multiple times on this show that, that Chelsea could really field two starting 11s that are good because of all the talent they have on their team. And, and it's true. However, there's an old expression that there's a difference between a team and a fantasy team. You know, sometimes real world teams get put together with these all-star players but they don't gel right and there's no chemistry and it, it doesn't flow the way it's supposed to that might not mean a whole heck of a lot in major league baseball uh it, it means i think it means something in football but maybe not too too much it means a lot in basketball and it means a lot i believe in soccer mm -hmm. and those are those are sports you know where that that sort of um, understanding of each other's movements before they make the movements and, and predicting what everybody on your team is going to do before they actually do. I mean, a good pass is not kicked to a player. It's kicked to where the player is going to go. So all of that comes from experience with each other and that chemistry. And so, yeah, you brought in a bunch of great players. It doesn't mean they're immediately going to be able to perform with each other and with the players that were already on the team. So I think there might have been some unreasonable expectations for what this team is going to do and unfortunately for Lampard they're currently ninth um, they are 
They had eight wins, five draws, six losses. Uh, going a little more specific, they have one win in their last five matches, and that one win was against hapless Fulham, yep. who had a red card. <laughs> you know, so that's not exactly the kind of win to, to write home about. Uh, and only two wins in their last eight matches. So, you know, the, uh, the, the performance hasn't been great, but we were talking last week or the week before, I can't remember which, as to whether or not Arsenal is back. I mean, there's a team that we were writing the obituary for. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, we've already commented multiple times about how Man United turned it around, and they're, they're not first. So stands to reason you could have given this guy a little bit more time to see if he could salvage it. it it's an interesting move for sure. And, um, you know, they've, they've been the tale of two teams. Um, if, you, if you go up until match week 11, I think it was, they were 6-1 and one with a handful of draws. They were in third place, two points behind your Tottenham Spurs. Who nobody believed were going to stay there. Right. So, um, you know, and they, you know, basically they had just gotten past the Ariza Balaga fiasco and they had moved on. They were looking really primed to make a good move. And then match week 12 happened. And as you mentioned, um, they've really, they, I think they've only won two and lost five and one draw since then. So it's really been the tale of two teams. Now, when you say match week 12, what what is it about match week 12 well, that's, yeah, that's the exact week that we picked up Edward Mendy. <laughs> Gee, you know, so. I, I, I didn't know yeah, that's what it, it, it was. So, <laughs> so if you had to so it really is our fault, is yeah. what you're saying. Okay. Um, so you know, all, all jokes aside, uh, I don't know that you can blame this on Lampard. Um, I, you know, it's we we got to send him like some flowers or something. Uh, we got to do something. <laughs> you know, for oh man, so. Um, la at least as of the last time I looked, I'm not 100% sure that a hire has been made as of this recording. All signs are pointing to former uh, Paris Saint-Germain and uh, Borussia Dortmund boss Thomas Tuchel. It was Thomas. He, he, I believe it was. He yeah. got hired already? Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like it's official. Um, and what makes that uh, hire interesting is that at PSG, he managed Thiago Silva. At Dortmund, he managed Christian Pulisic. So um, one wonders, is this going to make Pulisic you know, a more frequent starter, give him more playing time? Because you got a, a guy in um, Tuchel who's, who's worked with him before. Um, Pulisic had you know, some success there at Dortmund. And, uh, I mean, Thiago Silva is a veteran. He's been around for a while um, and um, had, had years at PSG. Um, so a lot of uh, mutual awareness of, of everybody's abilities there, at least between those three. And I'm sure that they're all, that the players are telling the rest of the team, hey, you know, here's what we can expect from this guy. So... Seems like a pretty good hire, specifically for that team. Remains to be seen. I, I fully expect to have the typical. Oh, there's a new manager. Suddenly the team plays like like their shoes are on fire, and they play Wednesday, I think. So we should find out pretty quickly. Well, what. we shall see. Um, now, as we went through some of those stats about Chelsea, and you know, particularly with their last five matches, uh, and and we see how quickly. Um, ownership can 
become displeased with a manager, one has to wonder, is this going to happen to Jurgen Klopp? Liverpool Football Club is not playing like Liverpool Football Club. They sure aren't. They are goalless in four straight Premier League matches, something that hasn't happened since 2000. Um, They, last week, finally had their home streak without a loss broken by none other than Burnley, of all teams. What, 1,369 days or just shy of four years, I hear? It was 68 games, and it dates back to April of 2017. So, um, you know, nearly four years that they didn't lose. I mean, they had draws, but they didn't lose at home. And, look, one can quibble with, you know, whether or not it really was a penalty that Burnley should have gotten a penalty kick to win that game as they did, but, you know, whatever. Liverpool lost. And Maybe Mo Salah should be playing 90 minutes. What do you think, Mike? I- you, one wonders, <laughs> yeah. The Burnley match, Salah doesn't start, and Firmino doesn't start. Um, so, lo and behold, what happens? Um, although, quite frankly, uh, it's not like Salah was <laughs> putting up big numbers last no, few matches. No. But it uh, comes with the territory when you get picked onto the hands-off-those-balls fantasy team, I suppose. Um, they have – they, Liverpool – have no Premier League wins in their last per five Premier League matches. Yeah, I think it was that 7-0 drubbing of Crystal Palace. That was their last win, and that was, before, that was before Christmas. That was a while ago, yeah. and um, they're just they're not playing like Liverpool. And guess who's playing like gangbusters while Liverpool is in the tank? Manchester City who has shot up the charts with a bullet and is now in second with a game in hand, uh, two points back of Manchester United. So fasten your seatbelts. We've got we've got quite a battle for the top of the table brewing, uh, particularly if, uh, if Liverpool does figure out how to play soccer again. Um, but uh, it, it seems like more than, than just a... a, a a dry patch. I mean, like, what is the problem with these guys that they're they're goalless in four matches? I don't. I don't understand this at all. Um, certainly, failing to start Salah and Firmino could have had a uh, something to do with them not scoring any goals against Burnley. But uh, they got in the game eventually. I, you know, I'm always checking the secondary stats. They're still you know possessing the ball 65, 70 percent of the time. So it's not like. That's the problem. Right. So, um, And I, I confess, I don't remember enough about that game as to whether there were, you know, a bunch of shots that clanged off the woodwork and they were just unlucky or anything like that. But um, usually luck isn't something that's going to affect a streak like, you know, winless in your last five. This is a team yeah. – they have they have lost the, the expression dropping points – um, going into a match, if you're a good team, you presume that the team is going to win and therefore get the three points. So if they fail to win, they dropped points. So if you tied, you dropped two points because you only got one. And if you lost, you dropped three points, three points yeah. because you didn't get the three you would have gotten for a win. Liverpool matched last season's total dropped points a couple of weeks ago, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, 
I know last year's performance was one for the ages, nearly the record for you know highest point total total uh, at the end of a season. But it's not like the team is all that different. Unlike Chelsea, Liverpool really didn't go out and bring in a bunch of new talent and screw with the chemistry. You you can. Uh, justifiably say they've been dealing with some injuries um, you know probably the biggest one being the loss of Virgil van Dyke but still I don't know how much that's gonna that's that's not gonna keep you from scoring though, right you would think you know I mean he, he sometimes gets involved on corners but yeah. that's that's like you said that's not gonna answer it um, interestingly enough at least the last time I looked Salah was still leading the league in goals Um so we'll, we'll we'll let him figure out in post production whether or not that gets a buzz or a ding. But I'm pretty sure that's the case because we haven't had a match in several days. Um, we got a lot coming up, but we haven't had one recently. So I'm not I'm not sure what's going on with Liverpool. I certainly don't believe that Jurgen Klopp is going to get sacked. Um, that would be a horrible error, yeah. I think, yeah. at this point. He 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 got the team. You know, hoisting the trophy last year. They won the Champions League year before that. So this is this is not a guy who has shown a, an inability to coach this team in particular. Uh, I, I think they're just hitting a rough patch and they'll get out of it. But uh, certainly odd when, when you start looking at some of these statistics um, with respect not only to the, the final score, but no goals. No goals. No, no <laughs> goals. Um, I'm sure that's going to change soon. So um, we will go ahead now and take our break for the halftime. We'll give you the scores from the last bunch of weeks. <laughs> yeah, there, I think there were three match weeks in there, but only six matches. So <laughs> exactly. We really just jumped around. Yeah, it was, it was three different match weeks. I think you're right. Um, so... Give you those scores, and we've got another furious stretch of uh, 20 matches in a week's time, really less than a week's time, um, beginning tomorrow, Tuesday the 26th. So uh, stick around. We will give you that update, and we will be right back. Here are your scores from Match Week 18 in the English Premier League. On Tuesday, West Ham topped West Brom 2-1 and Leicester shut out Chelsea 2-0. Wednesday saw Manchester United defeat Fulham 2-1 while Manchester City and Aston Villa played their postponed Week 1 match with City beating the Villains 2-0. Match Week 18 finally came to a conclusion Thursday as Burnley shocked Liverpool at Anfield 1-0 for Liverpool's first home defeat since April 2017. Two full match weeks over the next seven days begin with Match Week 20 kicking off Tuesday as Leeds heads up north to meet Newcastle. Crystal Palace hosts a London Derby against West Ham. Arsenal visits Southampton and Man City take on West Brom at the Hawthorns. On Wednesday, Wolves visit Chelsea. Burnley hosts Aston Villa. Fulham meets Brighton at the Amex. Sheffield takes on Manchester United at Old Trafford and Everton hosts Leicester. Match Week 20 concludes Thursday as Liverpool travels to the capital to meet Spurs. Match Week 21 then starts Saturday with Everton hosting Newcastle. 
Wolves visit Crystal Palace, Sheffield travels to Man City, Fulham gets a visit from Big Sam and West Brom, Man United meets Arsenal at the Emirates, and Aston Villa visits Southampton. The match week wraps up Sunday as Burnley visits Chelsea, Leicester hosts Leeds, Liverpool takes a trip to London to meet West Ham, and Spurs meet Brighton down on the shore. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we are back. So we wanted to talk about the handful of matches that we had over the last several days. And we will begin that with the uh, West Derby, as we're calling it. Yes, the West Derby. uh, West Ham uh, hosting West Brom. Uh, First of all, so... These games spanned match weeks 1, 11, and 18. Now, 1 was the redo of uh, those four teams that didn't play. And 18 is, I think, just the regular match week now. Do you have any idea what 11 was from? Because I I, don't. I think it was a COVID postponement. Really? Okay, because COVID, uh, 11 was way way back in the beginning of December. I didn't realize there was any... COVID's been going on since March. (laughs) Well, I know, but I don't remember deferment. I remember deferment in January. So 2019, I suppose, is how it got its name. Yeah, Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. You know, we've had these sporadic. You know, they get a a, sort of an outbreak of two or three guys, and they shut it down. They got to shut down that team. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, so West Brom, they're coming off their Black Country Derby victory uh, in enemy territory. West Ham is off to their best start since the 2014-2015 season. So, um, unfortunately, though, West Brom can only muster two shots on goal in this one. Mm. Um, Bowen scores for West Ham at the end of the first half on sort of a nice chest shot. Uh, So, you know, a lot of people head in crosses, you know, from the side, but he kind of sticks out his chest and uh, kind of Tarzans it in. It's Uh, legal. Yeah, it is legal. Um, West Brom equalizes at the start of the second half on a really nice strike by... uh, area um so this was sort of an interesting sequence the goal was reviewed for possible offsides and at the time of the shot west brom's gallagher is clearly offsides and he's right in the thick of things right in front of the goalie um but because this is an isolated shot on goal the subjective allowance to discount positionally offsides players who aren't part of the play is invoked uh and it was probably the right call here so Mm. i had no problem with that all right uh, goal stands. Antonio puts West Ham up for good later on, and 2-1 is the final. So this win moved West Ham up to seventh, um, you know, even above Chelsea at this point. So we've talked about Chelsea. So They're doing well. Yeah. Uh, Leicester hosting Chelsea. So this match may have had some ramifications in the sacking of Lampard. I, it was we, probably what did him in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though he gave us everything he had and then some of his previous game, we needed another big game from Chelsea keeper Edward Mendy. <laughs> um, would we get it? Well, it took all of five minutes for him to allow a goal and kill the clean sheet. So <laughs> the answer to that is no. No. Um, Mike, I do have a question for you. Uh, uh-huh. There's a player on Leicester spelled N-D-I-D-I. Do you know how to pronounce that? Indeedy. Okay. So I heard the announcers saying this, oh. but I didn't know if they were saying... In DD passes it or and DD passes it. So, um, anyway, so that's so. <laughs> they're uh, like old timers will uh, euphemistically uh, give an affirmative response by saying, you know, like, is it is it nice weather outside today? In DD. Oh, that, that's <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> um, showing our age. Yeah. Anyways, in DD with just a, a great shot off the woodwork and in nothing Mendy could do about it. 
uh, towards the end of the first half. Mason Mount for Chelsea gets taken down right on the penalty line. So it's uh, originally ruled a straight penalty kick. Uh, VAR determines though it actually occurred just outside. So it's only a free kick that Mason Mount skies over the top of the goal. Uh, James Madison, the the other one, the other one. <laughs> Uh, adds another uh, for Leicester towards the end of the first half. A nice volley and a fast break. Um, and at the end of the game, Chelsea seems to get one in the net on a free kick, but someone was a little antsy and was called for offsides. They put up VAR, and I couldn't see a thing in that packed wall. So oh. the uh, rightly, the call stood as made on the field. Now, with respect to that Mason Mount penalty, um, what is the rule about, you know... If it happens in the box or out of the box, is it where the the foul begins? Where the foul ends? Yeah, I think it's where the contact of the foul occurs. So they had the the but side shot on it. Could it. be both, you know. I think it's where it's initially done. So if you oh okay, if your momentum carries you, if it starts on one, you know the the good side of the penalty line, right? And it takes you into the bad side because it started on the the non penalty side of it. Then it's, it's not, not, a not a penalty. Okay, well that yeah, because there needs to be some instant. That, sure, that you yeah. decide and, and and I think that's just it where it started. Okay. So um two no Lester takes Actually this. no, I'm not done. I'm sorry. Oh <laughs> sure. So, whose body are we looking at? The fowler or the foulee? I think it's the point where the fowler's body makes contact with the foulies. So if it's a okay. trip, they look at what foot was tripped and that's the point of contact. Okay. Or if a gotcha. knee or a leg hits, you know. Gotcha. Um so 2 no Lister takes this one. Uh, that's three in a row for them, and that temporarily put them in the number one spot on the table. Um, as we mentioned, Chelsea lost three of five all the way down to number nine, um, and it's probably our fault. I, I think it probably is. Uh, before we move on to the next match, uh, not 100% sure that everybody can hear, um, even though it's a half hour before his usual feeding time. My dog is upstairs making all manner of racket right now, uh, and sort of interrupting us because he, the trainers refer to it as, oh, he's food motivated. Nah, he's a pig. He wants to eat all the time, <laughs> and he gets annoying when we get within an hour of his scheduled dinner time, which, like I said, is still a half hour away. We would have plenty of time to finish the show, but he's making a nuisance of himself, so we're going to take a brief break so that I can feed him because I'm... A terrible dog owner who, rather than train this behavior out of him, I'm just going to give him what he wants so he shuts the hell up. So we will be right back. Please, sir, I want some more. And we are back. Sorry for the interruption. Uh, what's the next match we're talking about, Jared? Uh, so we had Man City hosting Aston Villa. So I don't know if you've noticed, Man City just doesn't give up goals anymore. No. Period. Um, I think they've given up just two in their last nine EPL games uh, coming into this match. Um, I, I'm surprised it's that many. Um, this one was all Man City. Uh, 28 shots they had, 2-1 to one possession. Um, for all those shots, though, it took Man City and uh, Bernardo Silva 78 minutes to break through. They add another one on a handball penalty kick by uh, Gundogan at the end of the game. 2-0 is the final here. Um, so that's now two goals in their last 10 EPL matches. Mm. Uh, they just keep rolling. That's six wins in a row for them, and that temporarily moved them into the top spot on the table as a result. Now, was this the match in which, you know, because Man City's defense has been so formidable lately, we ha we were wise enough to transfer in a Man City defender 
uh, Cancelo, I can't remember his first name. Yep. Uh, was this the match that he didn't start? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Because uh, that, yeah, that, that has happened in the last two weeks for sure. It has. Uh, and on a on what I'm pretty sure was a clean sheet that, that he didn't get to take any part of fantasy-wise. He, tr- he came in off the bench, but big deal. You have to play I know he only minutes. had one clean sheet for us, but we know that Man City had two clean sheets the week that we had him, so... Mm. He must have come in late for one of them, which is kind of a bummer. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, we had Fulham hosting Man United. Uh, Lookman puts Fulham ahead almost instantly, um, and obviously that kills our clean sheet for Bruno Fernandes. Um, Man United equalizes shortly after on a Bruno shot, uh, kind of rebounded off the keeper, and Cavani puts it in for the score. Uh, Bruno picks up the assist on that one. I was a little nervous and sweating that, but they gave it to him, so yeah. yay. Um, yeah, Cavani's another one of these guys. You know, Last week we were talking about how, uh, even though he's a little bit older, uh, and I believe 33, not 34, like I said, Olivier Giroud is one of these guys who's always in the six-yard box and just waiting for a ball to be there to, yep. to lunge at. Cavani's another one of those. Yep. He's he's just always pressing forward, always right there in front of the goal waiting for something. I, I don't want to say waiting for something to happen that suggests that he's passive about it. He's not passive about it. He's just always there when you want him he, to be. He finds a really good way to always be in a position to clean up trash, yeah. either a rebound or get a head in, you know. Um, uh, and then uh, in the second half, though, Man United takes the lead for good on just a ridiculous strike from Pogba. I don't know if you saw this yeah. one, but... You know, five year, five yards outside the corner of the box. Now, this is the corner of the box, so, you know, it's probably closer to 30 yards. It's the corner of the 18-yard box. <laughs> right. So, you know, if, if, if Pythagoras doesn't lie to us, it's oh, probably God. closer to uh, 30 yards. But, um, you just broke my brain. <laughs> I have to use, like, a cosine or something to figure this out. Is that no, that's just A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's all that is. <laughs> Um, two one man United takes this one. Uh, they win again. Fulham loses again. Nothing really to see here. No, no surprises. Uh, man United is back at the top as well. So we got three or four teams that are just kind of going to be pressing, leapfrogging. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. I think, going down the stretch here. Liverpool hosting Burnley. Mm. Um, obviously, this was the most important match for us fantasy wise, and you know it was really as it turned out to to be our only salvation. Yeah, and I feel like we keep on making references to the fantasy performance of this past week. I think we need to explain a little bit what was happening. So there were, this past fantasy match week included matches from last weekend. Um, you know, January, whatever that would be, like, like I guess 16th or 17th or so. Um it was just, I don't know why, I'm not 100% clear, but the bottom line is that several Premier League teams had two matches to play during this past fantasy match week. One week, yeah. So multiple EPL games yeah. fit into one fantasy week. Ordinarily, a fantasy match week is just one game for every player, so now you had all these players out there who were going to be playing multiple games. Now, we had several players already on our team who were going to be playing multiple games. We transferred in another. Heck, that was so long ago, actually. Can't, what was uh, it? Chris, Chris Wood? Wood. Yeah, okay. Chris Wood. Um, from Burnley, as it turns out. And th- that'll set me off on another little mini mm-hmm. rant, I'm sure. But um, 
So we were trying to do the best we could to have players in our starting 11 who had multiple matches. And we, I think we did a fairly decent job at eight. Of eight. Them. eight of so, them. yeah. Um, and to fully maximize the benefit of Liverpool playing twice in this fantasy match week, we used something called the triple captain on Mo Salah. And what that means is ordinarily you designate a player on your starting 11 as the captain, and that means all fantasy points scored by that player will be doubled. So, obviously, the triple captain means all fantasy points scored by Salah during this match week, fantasy match week, which means two games, would be tripled. Now you're all reflecting on what we said in the first half about Liverpool mm -hmm. being goalless for the last four matches. So yep. the, the math isn't all that difficult. For, and the fact that we were lamenting that Salah didn't start yes. this match. So this was probably the time more so than ever that we needed to have that uh, uh, sports almanac that Biff had in Back to the Future 2. That would have been useful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just going back on that, I don't have any regrets. I... You said it yourself. I think we did a really good job of setting ourselves up with the information available. I mean, maximizing the double games. It was a logical selection for the triple captain. This so is a results-oriented business. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so anyways, back to the game. Uh, 27 shots for Liverpool, only six for Burnley. Uh, possession almost four to one for Liverpool. So sounds pretty promising for the Reds at home, right, Mike? You would think. Yeah. Uh, well, as we mentioned, Mo Salah doesn't even start. Um, a probable gimme game at home for them, and he doesn't even start. I didn't look into it, see why. I don't know if it's load management. I think it was just know. load management. You know, they've had a, they've been playing a lot of these FA Cup matches lately. I I don't see a lot of those lesser tournaments. Um, I know that I think a lot of them uh, can be found on ESPN Plus or something like that. Yeah. But my understanding is that particularly in the early stages where you've got things like, you know, Liverpool versus Luton Town, and, you know, these, these like League Two teams, that the, the Premier League teams are putting out their bench. You know, they're, they're putting out their second string guys to handle this that's nonsense. A good, that's a good plan. So why the FA Cup matches would be the reason that Salah needed to sit is beyond me. But, you know, maybe... I don't. Eh, there might have been some Champions League going on the last couple of weeks too. But uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. They're professionals. They get paid a lot of money. Play every week. Um. So at the end of the first half, a Burnley defensive miscue and Liverpool's uh, Origi um, has a one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and just nails the cross top bar. Um. And a little bit of fireworks uh, at the halftime whistle. So there's a goal kick, and Fabinho uh, kind of runs into a Burnley player and sticks his leg out in sort of a body kick. I don't know if you saw it this. It looked pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of pushing and shoving team-wise. Uh, Fabinho picks up the yellow card, and VAR reviews it for a possible red card, but settles on the yellow. Meanwhile, uh, Jorgen Klopp is running down the tunnel, jawing with Burnley management. Um He's now, my, my take on this, because the, the, the camera angle showed uh, Sean Dyche, Burnley manager, walking through the tunnel to get to the locker room and seeming to sort of under his breath, slight head turn, mutter something at Klopp as he walked by him and then kept going on his way because Klopp's reaction seemed to be a, a sudden... Yeah, it was like, what the what, F what did, did you, you say? say? What did you say? <laughs> so he, Klopp chases him down. Dice turns around and gives it back to him again. Klopp, as he's prone to do, gets pretty animated, talking with his hands. Um, 
you know, as as friend of the show Luke pointed out in our little group text about this, um, I, Sean Dyche might be the last manager of a Premier League team that I would want to mess with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he appears to probably have some experience in some barroom fights and is still in pretty good shape. So, <laughs> uh, you know, pick your battles, Klopp. But um, Klopp was probably ticked off about his team's play yeah. at that point. So, you know, a little extra... Uh, jawing Fire at the end of the there, half yeah. isn't all that surprising. Uh, anyway, it's just a big mess going into halftime on this one. Uh, Mo Salah does enter the game for us in the second half. He has a few chances, some of them pretty strong, but winds up doing nothing. Um, around the 73rd minute, Alexander-Arnold crosses, and it hits Peters for Burnley right in the arm. So, you know, the announcers were talking that it may have been a natural position because the penalty kick was not issued. He was in motion. Uh, his hand was pretty far out there. It looked I, pretty far out to me. It, I don't it, know. It was a tough call either way, but uh, I've seen it. I've absolutely have seen worse than or less you know, than that. Yeah, less than yeah. that. I mean, call at the beginning sure. of the year, that would have been three penalty kicks. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I I don't know. There's there's a part of me that that I'm at the point now where I'm sort of like, I kind of want to see your intent to throw your hand out there uh, if they're going to call it, just because yeah. it's it's such a killer. It is. Um, 81st minute, though, is the deciding play in this one. Uh, Burnley's Barnes is on a relative breakaway, makes a move on the ball. Allison comes out and gets all Burnley and no ball. Um, so the penalty kick to Burnley is awarded. Barnes takes it, not Chris Wood. Mm-hmm. And Burnley leads 1-0, and that's the final in this one. Um, yeah, I was surprised because I've, I guess it, it must be some lingering hockey thoughts in my head. I'm not a huge hockey fan, but um, you know, my understanding about hockey is you know, fouls never get called on the goalie, and if you do anything to mess with the goalie as a, as a non-goalie opposing player, um, not only will the goalie's team beat the snot out of you, but you'll go into the penalty box for five minutes. Oh, yeah, you're going down. So uh, there's sort of this protection of of goalkeepers in hockey. And I guess I just sort of thought that that was the case in soccer, or at least that you wouldn't blow the whistle on a goalie's actions quite as quickly as you would for a a position player, Mm -hmm. non-goalie. But I guess not. I mean, it, it certainly looked like a foul, and there's an argument to be made that when you're allowed to use your hands, maybe the whistle should get blown on you more often. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. Um, so uh, this is a big win for Burnley. We've already talked about some of the uh, poor trends that Liverpool is on right now. Um, fantasy-wise, even tripling mediocrity in some of the participation points, uh, we, we were able to climb within eight of our opponent with one game remaining. So, you know, there was uh, still a decent chance, but... I thought it was funny. When we made the decision to triple captain Mo Salah, do you remember what you texted me? I don't. Probably something along the lines of, we've just guaranteed that he's only going to get two points in both games. Yeah, it was basically, uh, we've just uh, secured him getting 12 points for his two games. (laughs) And how many points did he get? Did he end up with 12? He ended up with 12. Now, granted, one of them was a clean sheet and he didn't start the other one, but the total was the same. So I thought that was a... And 12 points went... You know, a triple captain for 12 points means that the base score was four, tripled, 
and over two matches, that means two matches per yep. game, which is what one gets so long as they play at least 60 minutes and don't get a yellow card. Mm -hmm. So just the the uh, the the, um, the old as long as you can print your name on the SAT score sheet you're starting with 400 points or whatever it yeah. is. That's essentially what this is, and that's all Salah got us for two matches when we triple-captained him. I'm going to start calling the uh, the two points participation points now. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to call them that's now. literally yeah. what they are. Yeah. Um, and then the last game of this uh, week was Villa hosting Newcastle. So we still have Grealish as the only differentiator left, uh, and we're down eight points, so... A full game out of him, and if he, you know, maybe a goal and an assist. It was possible. It was possible. Um, he probably wouldn't have needed both a goal and an assist. If he played a full game and got a goal, he probably would have gotten some bonus points for that. It, and yeah. It would have been ball game, but whatever. Um, so it was pretty much all Villa in this one. Uh, Watkins gets it started early for the 1-0 lead for Villa. Uh, Grealish does assist Traore uh, later in the game for the 2-0 lead, uh, and that one would hold up for the final. But the single assist for Grealish is not enough, and we wind up losing by two points. I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize it ended up that close. Yeah. I didn't, I, like, what, once the Salah thing happened, I'm like, screw Give this. Give me a break. Yeah. I'm not even watching anymore. Um, so, you know, bad attitude by me. But, uh, yeah, probably should have been paying closer attention. You know, I, the one thing I will say about this is I think as managers, we did a pretty good job of setting this up. I keep I, saying that. I, I know, but I can't really, you know, I'm looking at all, all the games. We had, what, 19 player games in the week, you know, 11 plus 8. I can't really fault any one player. The The two things, though, that haunt me on this week, one is Mo Salah not playing a full game at home against Burnley, mm. and two is Chris Wood not being chosen for either one of those, and we probably win. And you want to talk about text exchanges between us, I'm pretty sure that before we transferred him in, part of the text exchange logic was, I'm pretty sure he takes their penalties. Oh, yeah. So Let's put that on our tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we were wrong to think that, but at the same time, I don't know. Some of these managers seem to be like, you know what, today... You're going to kick the penalties, not the guy who usually kicks the penalties. You know, the, the only guys who I who I know if they're on the field are kicking them. Like Bruno, Vardy, Vardy. Yeah. I'm I'm not even sure Salah has taken them all. I'm not sure on this one. I mean, I feel like Mane's taken I do a too. Few. Well, whatever. Um Yeah. So, uh that's where uh, where the the short quote unquote short week leaves off after only six games since our last show um did you have anything to add on those games no i mean just fantasy wise we dropped from first to third so you know oh, we can in the head-to-head -head head matchup head, so we hopefully we can regroup and uh, pick it up well we'll and see. that's a, another thing there's there's two leagues here one of them we've talked about it the head-to-head -head matchup that we've been pretty fortunate that even though our team doesn't necessarily put up these huge scores we've just been lucky because every time we face somebody, not every time, but a lot of times we faced somebody, they're having their worst performance of the year. And we've benefited from that on the win-loss record. However, there's also the league that's just tracking your overall total score over the Cumulative year. points. Cumulative points that we went into this past match week with these double games and using our triple captain, thinking this was the opportunity we were going to finally gain some ground 
in that league comes to pass that the exact opposite happens. I'm sure we've plummeted like a stone because the the guy who's in first place in that league, friend of the show Luke, uh, had like a hundred point advantage on us. And although, you know, he <laughs> he's probably he sounds in fantasy Premier League probably how I sound as a Yankee fan. Like he complains about you. I've only gotten seven goals this week instead of ten that I yeah. think I should have had. <laughs> you know, so. We're sitting here with, we haven't gotten a goal nor an assist after like 15 matches, so shut up. Um, he's, you know, extended his lead uh, after this past week, so I don't know that we should be uh, holding out any hope for doing well in that. Uh, anyway, in the last few minutes, we wanted to just touch on uh, a couple of giants uh, that we lost in the past couple of days. Uh, you know, it's a podcast, so this has some broadcasting aspects to it, and it's about sports, so there's obviously some sports aspects to it, and we lost a giant in broadcasting and a giant in sports the last couple of days. Larry King passed away on Saturday. Uh, everybody knows him from Larry King Live on CNN, uh, just an old-school radio talk show host who, um, you know, he had been on the radio for years before the CNN gig, but uh, Larry King Live on CNN is obviously what everybody knows him for. Um, 25 years on that show, between that show and the radio, it's estimated that he has interviewed around 50,000 people. Whoa. Yeah. And, you know, what I always appreciated, uh, not like I watched it every night, but the times that I did watch him, what I appreciated about his technique, um, I've, I've mentioned once or twice on the show that I, I went to law school I'm a lawyer but um, it doesn't really come up for any good reason in a podcast about Premier League that much but I'll bring it up now because one of the more difficult things in in doing trial work is the direct examination so this is when you're asking questions of sort of a, a, a client who's on your side, or rather a client, a witness is on your side. It might be your client, it might be another witness, but they're sort of a good guy. You've called them to prove your own case. But what makes direct examinations difficult is you're not allowed to use what they call leading questions. Leading questions are what you use when you're cross-examining a witness. Those are the questions that begin with, isn't it true that the traffic light was red? The question suggests the answer. A non-leading question is, what color was the traffic light? You're only allowed to use non-leading questions on, on direct examination, and that can make it difficult because you know what you want to get the witness to say, but you can't suggest the answer in your question. You can work with the witness ahead of time to, to kind of practice. You can't, you can't quite coach and, and tell them what to say, but uh, you can kind of tilt your head and say, it would be great if you <laughs> explained to the jury why, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's what can make direct examinations hard. Larry King was a master of asking simple questions in a, it, but it really was sort of a direct examination fashion that they were open-ended, they weren't suggesting the answer, and they would get the, the guest um, talking and revealing things that they may not otherwise want to reveal. You know, um, somewhat contrasting that with Tim Russert, who passed away about a decade ago. He was the host of Meet the Press for a while. His questioning of witness of witnesses, 
His questioning of guests was cross-examination. And it was kind of a thing of beauty because you always knew he had the receipts. He would ask a question <laughs> expecting the guest to lie. So, um, you know, are, are, are you as a candidate planning on raising taxes? Well, you know, no, Tim, I would never want to do that. Okay, because last week at such and such, and he would put the words on the screen that the guest had said at this previous event or this previous interview, whatever, like every question, he had the answer already in his pocket, ready to confront the guest with it. So you think people would stop going on his show because they know they'd have a bad time. (laughs) Or at least they would tell the truth, one or the other. Um but you know everybody everybody loved Larry King. He was on the, he did the CNN show for 25 years. And that is the record for longest running talk show with the same host on the same channel in the same time slot. Um you know, you think about it, it's like yeah, everybody else either quit before then, you know, even Johnny Carson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh either either stopped doing it before then or, you know, Letterman, you know, changed channels or something, but uh, Peabody, Cable Ace, Emmy Awards, all of it. Uh, Larry King was 87 uh, and had a great career. The other giant is on the sports side. Hank Aaron passed away on Friday. Um, Major League Baseball player, a giant in baseball. Um, only one player in Major League history has 3,000 hits and 700 home runs or more. Uh, and that, that is even after we went through the steroid years of the 90s and early 2000s. Mm-hmm. There's still only one player who did that, and it's Hank Aaron. Uh, played the bulk of his career with the Braves, both in Milwaukee and then in Atlanta, although he did actually finish his career back up in Milwaukee in a Brewers uniform. Um, generally regarded as one of the, the nicest guys in baseball uh, and had a, a tough time of chasing down Babe Ruth's all-time home run record. Babe Ruth's all-time home run record was 714 home runs, and it stood for decades. And in the early 70s, Hank Aaron was chasing it down, playing his home games in the Deep South. And he's an African-American gentleman. And so one can imagine in the late 60s, early 70s, what sort of treatment he was getting as he was chasing down the hallowed record of baseball's biggest idol. In Babe Ruth, you know, I mean, the, the guy got death threats. He literally was getting threatened all the time just for doing his job and helping his team win. Um, he ultimately did break the record in 1974, I think it was. Um, and you know, there's that famous shot of him rounding the bases, and as he's going from second to third, the two people, these that two shake dudes, his hands. Yeah, yeah, they come running out of the stands. And they're coming up to like pat him on the back and shake his hand, which is, yeah. is cool. And it's the most famous part of that footage. Hank Aaron had no idea who they were and he, thought they maybe were going to kill him. Yeah, he, lo- he looked a little spooked. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And, and I mean, he's admitted afterwards that it, he didn't just look that way. He was terrified. Um, that's what he was going through, and he still managed to do it. Uh, ends his career with 755 home runs. Um, let me just give you this season, because I, I was looking at his overall stats, and I found this season interesting. 1963. Batting average of 319, on base of 391, slugging 586. So his OPS for the year, uh, on base percentage and slugging combined, is 977. Pretty good. He had 44 homers, 130 RBIs, and 121 runs scored. The RBIs and runs scored led the league. He also had 31 stolen bases that year. 
1963, he wasn't like 22. He, he was in like, close to or in his 30s by then. Yeah. So like he wasn't exactly a spring chicken. Um, you know, your lifetime friends with uh, Jared's brother-in-law. Your brother-in-law and I and another friend of ours have have had the conversation of whether or not, before he passed away, of whether or not Hank Aaron is underrated. Because in addition to the, the power stats, 755 home runs to finish his career, um, he, he still has the all-time record in RBIs and total bases, which is kind of shocking. That actually is surprising. I mean, yeah. You know, he's he has over 600 doubles, but there are guys with over 700 doubles. Um, there is there is now a guy with more homers. Um, Aaron had say what you want about that, but Aaron had one MVP and one. He world only had title one MVP and one world title, right? Mm, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, but he had 3,771 hits. You know, people forget how many hits he had. He. He's third all-time in hits. He's got the most hits by a, a purely right-handed batter, Pete Rose's switch hitter, but um, third all-time in hits. Still, you know, after all of these other guys who, you know, yeah. Derek Jeter, you know, made, made a pretty deep run into the uh, the all-time leaders in hits. But even with that, I think, I want to say he finished six all-time in hits. So still a long ways to go, um, whether to get to 4,000 or, or certainly to pass rows, but um, th- there's a case to be made that all we think of about Hank Aaron is passing Babe Ruth's home run record, and the fact of the matter is he did way more than that. Now, he, he was never on the disabled list. Um, I don't want to hear anybody use that as, as a knock and say, well, you know, he was just a compiler. Bull, yeah, that's honky. yeah. Just when, when you reach these numbers, you're not a compiler, just because you were healthy. Yeah, <laughs> you were awesome and healthy is what what he was. So, um, lost Hank Aaron, like I said, you know, regarded as one of the nicest guys in baseball, and he was 86. What, one cool thing about that whole thing: so his 715th home run was hit to left field. Yes, and you know, goes over the wall. Now. I'm, I'm hoping I have this right, but he did that in Fulton County Stadium, Atlanta's yes. Fulton County Stadium. When they built Turner Field, and when they when they build stadiums in general, new stadiums, they build it in the parking lot of the previous stadium, mm. and they demolish the, and that becomes the parking lot for the new stadium. What they did, though, is they pre- preserved the exact segment of wall that his home run went over. It's still there in the parking lot for Turner Field, and you can actually go and visit it. I didn't know that. And yeah. I had been to a couple of Turner Field games back when they used to play there. You can actually go to Google Satellite Maps, the parking lot for Turner Field, and you can actually see it's marked as a landmark. Oh, that's Hank awesome. Aaron's. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. I wish I had known that when I lived in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so all the best to Larry King's friends and family. Uh, sorry for your loss, as well as all the best to Hank Aaron's family. Um, who are dealing with their loss as well. I mean, hey, both lived long, great lives. Um, I I don't believe that either death was necessarily sudden, but that doesn't make it necessarily easy. Any easier, yeah. So uh, wishing them the best. So with that, we will wrap things up. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in. We don't have a show if not for you, so thank you for that. 
Uh, sorry that last week I suggested we were going to be uh, releasing the episode a little bit early. Uh, that was because apparently... You're temporarily challenged. I, temporarily I, challenged. I, I, I don't know how to read uh, because <laughs> we, we were invited to something that I thought was going to take place on the day we usually record. And that's not at all what the invitation said. So I'm just not able to read. <laughs> Uh, so thank you for tuning in and excusing the fact that this episode is not being released any earlier than usual. Uh, we hope you tune in next time and that you all have a safe and pleasant rest of the week. Take care, everybody.